Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball Nip. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball Nips and have a great time on the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of Zero Block 30, and today we have six rounds in the magazine. Round number one, from wearing protection to taking the rear with the gear to going on long, sweaty humps, military terms and sex phrases go together like 200-degree porta johns and whacking it. Round number two, why did a Marine Corps sergeant go to Haiti with some boxes full of guns and ammo? Well, to become president there, of course, why else would he go? Round number three, three Coast Guard crews from separate stations spent 16 hours of their Thanksgiving holiday looking for a kite surfer near Ocean City, New Jersey. The outcome was wavy with the side of gravy. I mean, you could tell Kate wrote these <laughs> so much today. You're welcome. <laughs> Round number four, we have an interview with Sean Karp. He's an Army veteran and coach now for the Jaguars on their strength and conditioning team. He was honored this week, so we're going to bring him on the show to talk about his story. It's pretty, pretty fantastic. And he, Round number five. He answered your questions even though he knows you'll never run? Yeah, I'm going to talk to him about that. I'm going to talk to wow. him about me never running. You'll hear that a little bit later. Okay. Round number five, the 2020 elections are fast approaching, and in preparation, the military has released a reminder to active duty troops of what they can and cannot spout out about on their own political social media accounts or wherever, Facebook, Twitter. They have rules, and they are going to enforce them, I guess, this time around. And finally, round number six, the Army-Navy game is next weekend, and yesterday the uniforms came out. We know this because cons would not stop bothering the group chat about it. So we're going to do a little review and talk about the me- the meaning behind some of the details of them as well. But I have an announcement before we continue with the show and get into who it's sponsored by. Cons is not here this week right? because he is being punished for a lack of integrity that he showed on Twitter this week. I didn't appreciate it. Kate, I know you didn't as well. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't I wasn't really following any of it, but I did see that he was banned and I didn't ask questions. So what <laughs> good corporal what there, yeah. yeah what, so so what happened? Our guy Frankie Borelli who's on Four Play Pod, he also produces the Barstool radio show and does other things around Barstool as well. He posted a Twitter poll that asked the question, is there more chairs or people in the world? Now, Cons likes to Talk to everybody at Barstool on Twitter a lot and like get it like interject in a lot of the different conversation that's going on, which He's is a great. big Twitter good. hypothetical guy. He yes. loves mixing big, it up in those debates. Yes. Always mixing it up in those debates. And in this debate, he took the side of people right away. There was no um, I'm going to teach you a lesson. There is no grand like grandeur like un, like where it was obvious, like he tried to make it out later to be. So I think that Khans had a big-time integrity violation and tried to change it when the bulk of people obviously came around that there's way more chairs in the world than people. Because Khans tried to change his view initially, 
So he said he was like, no, there's way more people than chairs. And then he got called out and he was like, never mind. There's more chairs than people. Yeah. Did the classic. uh, Yeah. Classic officer. I just did this to to spread on the conversation. No, you didn't. Overwhelming information came out against his viewpoint. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and it's not just us. It's not buying cons bullshit excuse. Even his guy KFC came out on radio was like, this is outrageous that he took it back so fast and didn't have the courage or the gumption. To stick up for himself or just say, hey, I was wrong. He tried to not be wrong by making everybody else look wrong, which is even worse. You just hate to see it. I cannot allow that on this podcast. That's not what we're about. So he is going to sit out this episode. In a chair? On Tuesday. Uh, He's probably sitting out on a chair. Yeah. Yeah. One of many chairs. There's plenty to pick from. Oh, we love cons. He's just if he's as, he's traveling for a don't work thing. no he's tra- no he's, he's traveling out. for a work he's thing. out he's out and this show oh. is brought to you by our good friends at Upstart. As many of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt or getting into debt, whether it be social clout or not, is hard to get out of especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com. It's a revolutionary lending platform that knows that you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high interest uh, credit card debt. Upstart goes beyond traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Upstart believes that you are more than just your credit score. They believe in you and they understand that. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes. The best part, once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 300,000 people have started to use Upstart to pay off their credit card or meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked the number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash ZBT to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate is only takes a few minutes and it won't affect your credit score at all. That's why upstart.com slash ZBT is the way to go. Let's start the show that's without cons because he is suspended and it's not because he has other obligations this week. It's because he's suspended. Let's start the show. Kate, what happened on social media that spurred you to write this tweet this week? Yes, for round number one, it wasn't even military-related at first. There is this viral tweet going around where it started with basketball. So there was a picture, there's side-by-side, a picture of basketball players on a court next to a photo of a couple in bed, clearly either about to get it on or having had just gotten it on. And the tweet says... uh, Oh, they haven't gotten it on. They're not sweaty at all. They're not sweaty enough, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I said, what's something that you can say during a basketball game that you can also say during sex? And it got a lot of fun answers like, I got next, or great ball handling. Uh, We stink. (laughs) Solid D. (laughs) Not in my house. That's for a Christian family there, I think. Yeah. But uh, So it got a lot of fun answers. (laughs) So on the Zero Blog 30 Twitter, I went over there took that same picture of that pre-sex couple, not sweaty enough, mm-hmm. and a right. photo of Marines scuzzing the deck. And I said, what's something you can say in the military that you can also say during sex? And our fabulous, wonderful, amazing listeners and followers on Zero Block 30 came through with the good answers. Uh, Cons said his answer was, do you know where I went to school? That's something he would say. I mean, during- I could see him actually doing that, too. Just For sure. He could say that during sex and uh, and during. It would only get him off, but, you know, that's fine. Um, somebody else said, I'm up. They see me. I'm down. Referring to their penis, which made me laugh. Uh, right on top with the big gun. A guy saying that to a lady would absolutely 
Uh, boy, would I be dry. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, but, but not with the one with our guy, Angry Staff Officer. He said, wet gap crossing, which I thought was a good one. Next up was Michael. He said, nine to the front and six to the rear. That's the way we do it in here. That's a pretty good one. I like this one. Two to the chest, one to the head. <laughs> I mean, uh, be careful where you put your CAC, referring to our CAC cards. Back blast area, all clear. Negligent discharge. You never want any of that. Bed rest with head privileges. Love that. Aim small, miss small. This is another one. I like Butter Bar Panda said the Oakleys are staying on. You got to have your eye <laughs> pro for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, we can stay here all day until we get this right. That's another common. We're not going anywhere to fix this. Brad Ping said, gas, gas, gas. Which- that one might be the best one. Because there but for the grace of God go I. Everybody's had a little, we'll say it, fartsy slip out every now and then. We had a caller on radio. Remember her? She called. We were at, I don't even know what the topic was. And she was like, I accidentally farted on my boyfriend's dick one time. And remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. On radio, on live radio. And she, like, told, she was telling her mom about it. Yeah, that's right. It was That was a whole weird, <laughs> I don't remember what led up to that, but that is a thing that, that gets yelled. Uh, I said, swear I have a no-shave chit here somewhere. So, talking pubes. Uh, attention yeah. private. Another one said, come on, just do it. It's only one weekend a month. I love that. <laughs> a little reserves goofing and a little. That's for the married couples out there. Uh, Chaps, this one can be dedicated to you. It's okay. I fire blanks because you had yeah. your, your oh, what? A little vasectomy joke. Love it. You had your vas deferens obliterated, right? Is that the yeah. term they used? Completely destroyed. Absolutely. Uh, Maximilian Marta said, but about a jam. <laughs> so I, I would love to hear, uh, to hear somebody say that. He also said, I can't hear you louder. Uh, Ray Hines said, <laughs> like, it, I don't yeah. know. I just liked that. And then it, I think that was the, it's supposed to be the A10 firing, the A10 firing, uh, in cadence at an accelerated pace. That would be nightmare fuel. I got your six. Take a knee. I can't believe nobody said, open your bitch ass mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good one. Chaps, you said, here's yours. Thinking of Mrs. Chaps here, I'm about to unload, show clear, and then break you down shotgun style and give you a bolt board check here in your prep time. <laughs> now, that one I feel like is way too military way specific. Too, yeah. I don't know what goes on over there at that. And then uh, I love this one. This uh, At Kenjin Burner said, one day there might actually be another person on the other end of this thing. yeah that's a good one yeah oh man well done well we definitely have the horniest podcast in town and it's not just because of horny brent sorry yeah it's not just because of our producer so i just thought those (laughs) answers were really fun i love all the interactions we have if you don't follow us on twitter or instagram or youtube zero blog 30 check us out we're on all those things so thank you to everyone who responded and that's that on to round number two Let's get into round number two. Some actual stories going on around the world. This one, you know, there's sometimes there's stories that happen in real life that we come across, whether it's through Marine Times or Stars and Stripes or wherever it is, that you think, if this came out on Netflix, we would have a round on this show making fun of it. Because there's no way that it would actually happen. That's the reason why we made fun of the code for so long. That's the reason why we make fun of a lot of military movies. But some of these stories that come out, and this is one, if it came out on Netflix or an Amazon Prime, you were like, no way this is actually true. But this is a thousand percent true. 
Right. And this is in the same vein as like you were saying this, like, nah, that didn't really happen. Remember on our one of our September episodes, we told you about 20 year old Job Wallace, a young devil dog based out of Camp Pendleton. And he was on leave and he never came back. So they're searching for him. His family's frantic. We had his own family members tweeting at us, remember, being like, please help us find him. And it turns out he went to the border in Texas and thought that he could take out the area's drug cartels and human traffickers vigilante style with his high-speed boot camp training. And we're like, that's insane. That's ridiculous. Well, this story one-ups it. This story takes that and makes that look like nothing. Kate, you know I don't normally like explain things to you or correct like grammar because I'm the worst at it too of mispronouncing things. But the seminarian inside my brain, because I used to want to be a preacher, will not let that name pronunciation as Job go by. That is Job. Oh, Job. <laughs> I was like, Job Wallace? What a fucking terrible name. Job. Job Wallace. Well, they should have put an E on the end. I'm sorry. His family should have put an E. I agree. I just couldn't let that one slide. Old Job. He's been through too much. Well, Job has been through a lot. Uh, He tried to become a vigilante down at the border. And when we were reading that story, we're like, that's insane. Can you imagine what his command? Like, they get the notification, like... Oh, no, he's fine, but he just thought he could take out the Mexican drug cartels. Well, again, this next story definitely takes that, flips it on its head, and one-ups it. This comes to us from Jonathan Drew at the Miami Herald, an active-duty U.S. machine gunner. And before you before you keep going, we also know that if it comes from an actual newspaper and not like the Marine Corps Times or Stars and Stripes or Task and Purpose or something like that, the story is going to be even worse. Oh, if yeah. actual newspapers are like, we got to talk about this, <laughs> yes. then you know it's really, really bad. That's what piqued my attention. I was like, oh, my God, a regular <laughs> oh, paper. The Miami Herald. Shit. Miami <laughs> Herald. We're in big trouble now. Uh, indeed, we are. An active duty U.S. Marine machine gunner and marksman instructor with 2nd Marine Division was caught smuggling guns into Haiti and told investigators it was because he wanted to help that country's military learn marksmanship to defeat thugs that are causing instability there. The criminal complaint filed last week in federal court charges Marine Sergeant Jacques Yesdorso with smuggling firearms. Dorso and one other unnamed person departed an airport from Newborn, North, Newburn, North Carolina on Shout Veterans Day. Shout out Kyle. That's Shout where Kyle, out Kyle. Was. Um, On Veterans Day of all days. So on Veterans Day, these two in North Carolina and Newburn hop on a plane to Port Al Prince, Haiti with two plastic containers of firearms and another big plastic container full of ammo. The one important thing he did not have with him, though, any sort of permission or authorization to do that. So, yes, Doriso had filled out firearm declarations with American Airlines stating he was carrying unloaded guns. But no, he did not have permission from, one, the U.S. Marines to leave the country, two, permission from U.S. authorities to export firearms, or three, from Haiti to bring them into the country there. So the big giveaway when he landed, you land in any other foreign country, you know, you have to go through customs. And they weren't even necessarily paying that close attention to him at first. Maybe, And he, he makes it a point to tell them, hey, all this stuff over there doesn't have to go through customs. It's fine. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Uh, and also, it can't go through. There's It just it would like mess up whatever's in there. And so they're like, what? Huh? So they take his stuff immediately and put it through the thing. And there's this photo of him sitting on the ground in customs, dressed to the nines. 
He is wearing like fancy boy, fancy boy, 1920s, like the pleated slacks with the vest. Oh, with shit. Like the yeah, I'm looking chain. at it now. My goodness. And the he's leaning slacks. against the x-ray machines. And you can it see like that. He got that out of Connor's closet. Oh, yeah. And you can <laughs> you can see the x-ray machines just highlighting guns and ammo inside the thing. So he was immediately detained in custody where he was questioned by U.S. NCIA agents who were in the country. And he told them. He had traveled there to defeat the thugs that have been creating a little bit of instability in Haiti. And in describing the eight firearms, which included five handguns and three rifles, he told agents he picked every gun specifically to teach marksmanship to the Haitian army. Homeland Security agent Charles Kitchen, great name, you're dealing with Chuck Kitchen. He's a bitchin'. Uh, anyways, stated that Duraso also brought body armor and an officer's uniform with him. That's probably my favorite part in all this. If you're tired of your rank, if you're a young Lance Corporal listening and you're like, duh, I'm sick and tired of being lower enlisted, fly to another country with an officer uniform and just blend in. Just become an officer somewhere else. You can do it. You know who did that once before? Who? Old Chesty Puller. Did he? Yeah. He he Because he was originally enlisted and then whenever the war stopped, the original war that he joined for, whenever it stopped... He got out, joined another country's military just because he liked military goofing. And then whenever wars kicked off back in America, he's like, I got to go back and then became an officer. There you go. You switched it up a little bit. I just like that he was his plan was to go to Haiti, get involved with the military there. And since he was so good at shooting and everything and teaching, he was like, oh, they'll automatically make me an officer. Like he thought Mm -hmm. he could go over there, have all this clout and become something bigger. Um, He told investigators that he knew that what he was doing was illegal and he knew he'd be arrested in Haiti, but smugly that it was part of a plan to get attention to make a statement according to court documents. So what a spin zone. Yeah, total, total Captain Khan spin zone. Oh, I just did this to teach you guys a lesson. I just did this to bring this into the news. (laughs) It was a Captain Khan's. Yeah, it was was just just a prank. prank. Total prank goofing. Um, So, yeah, he said, uh, this is the other part that besides bringing the officer uniform, Dorisot's buddy that traveled with him told agents that Dorisot had been in contact with the U.S. Embassy in Haiti to tell them that he wanted to become president there. So, the <laughs> you know, who knows? But I can only imagine when he gets back to the States. Uh, major, Major General, uh, uh, I just wanted to become president of Haiti. Uh. So I have no idea. Um, now, an issue... Uh, warrant for his arrest has been issued here in the states without a doubt he's either back already or they'll be bringing him back soon who I knows just think they should give him a, ne- a negative counseling in my opinion there is a lot of thugs going on in haiti and you can have good initiative bad judgment and i think that's what it is he's a sergeant <laughs> just give him over to his gunny and be like hey you need a negative counseling here it's going to be bad on your fitness report you're not going to pick up staff starting for an additional year but other than that did you pick up any tricks of the trade? Because when Chesty Puller went down to Nicaragua and joined the National Guard there when he was assigned there in the 1920s, he picked up a lot of things that really helped out. Like his knowledge from Nicaragua helped out, and that's what led them to victory in the Trozen Reservoir because he learned how to take pig's fat and rub it on their ankles where they could walk for long periods of time without getting chafed. Well, unfortunately, it seems like Dorso never made it out of the airport to learn any of the Haitian army's moves, chaps. Uh, that's the sad part. But uh, maybe not a fried a plantain. Well, part of me wonders. I mean, he was down there just. Like, part, I had two. There, I had two schools of thought on this. Oh. One, he was either genuinely suffering from some sort of delusion, 
and he got sucked into something online and believed that he could really, truly, somebody convinced him he could become some uh, some kind of big deal down in Haiti. And it, it, he, I believe, is of Haitian descent. So I don't mm-hmm. know. And because his brother picked him up, from, was there to pick him up from the airport and everything, and he never made it out. So he's got family there. He's got connections there. Maybe his family was, like, calling out for help. Like, hey, you're, I don't know. you're in the Marines. Can you come help us here? So I feel like there's much more. I would love to hear the full story of how he got involved in this in the first place. We'll get so, him on the pod. Yeah, get him on the pod. So either there's some sort of delusion involved there, or is it something more? Was he sm- like smuggling weapons for something else and said, oh, like came up with a story? I have no idea, so I shouldn't speculate. But I'm just really interested to hear the backstory on that. And again, I really disagree. I think you should speculate. What's the, okay, what do you speculate. think the reason is? What, what was the deal there? But I also, this is just one of those things. On Veterans Day of all days, you're his higher command. You're enjoying the day somewhere. He's got a belly full of Applebee's. <laughs> yep, you got a belly full of free Applebee's, and you get this phone call that one of your Marines is in Haiti with three boxes full of ammo and guns to teach It's the probably one of those I'm on leave stories gone wrong. Like you, <laughs> yeah. like you're telling everybody your marksmanship and structure and you can teach everybody in Haiti how to do all this stuff. Next thing you know, you get called out on it. So you got to prove it. Yeah, I have no idea. Or it was but a if lady. You've ever, have you, did you ever have to take guns to a foreign country like uh, outside of a military flight? No. It is a pain in the ass, man. Whenever I used to have to do uh, missions with the Department of State and we would fly into different places, the amount of paperwork that you have to take to bring military-grade weapons to other countries, especially whenever you're dealing with ammunition as well, it is not easy. So obviously this fellow has never done that before because you have to have layers upon layers of paperwork to get in. Just to get it in and out of Japan was unbelievably difficult. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm shocked that American Airlines was like, okay, send it. Like, I'm shocked that they were like, yeah, okay, this is weird, but uh, sure, man. Yeah, they don't care leaving the country. It's getting into the other countries that's difficult. That's when you have to have all the military paperwork. Crazy. Uh, We'll be keeping up with this story to see what happens, what his reason was, because I think it's probably pretty fascinating. Hopefully there's nothing wrong with the dude, like, mentally, where it causes them to do this, because then I would feel bad, and we'll just delete this and act like it didn't happen. Let's move on to round number three. All right, this next one comes to us from CNN, another outside the military news source. So, you know, this captured people's attention. And this one was more for, I think, it made people genuinely feel pity. Have you ever been kept away from a holiday for something? Oh, uh, I haven't been home for holidays in a long time. Like, I haven't gone to, like, where my family lives forever. Mm-hmm. So, kind of, yes. Like, forever my entire life but i mean were you ever stuck on deployment or on duty or on like no luck luckily for me i always kind of got to go home i mean i guess there was times where i was on duty but i don't really remember those too much but this we do always ask for those like this is one of those stories whenever you see a social media account like ours or uh whenever you do ask those stories these people involved with this story definitely have a story that'll last them the rest of their lives oh for sure and like so you know, I've had I've been stuck on duty for a Thanksgiving and an Easter and like, eh, whatever. This is a little bit more intense than that. Two helicopters, two rescue boats, and members of a local police force all jumped into action after a kite surfer was seen drifting out to sea on Thanksgiving Day near Ocean City, New Jersey. Things seemed even more urgent when search parties found a black and white Ocean Rodeo Cipher 10 kite in the water, but did not find the, the board or the missing surfer. So they find the kite it's just limply floating across the top of the ocean. They're like, fuck, where's the guy? Like, where's the rest of him? Uh, so the 
They've got this MH-65 Dolphin helicopter air crew, 47-foot motorboat, 45-foot response crew boat, New Jersey State Police helicopter and air crew. The wind's blowing, the waves are crashing, the crews are straining their eyes, scanning the sea for a speck in a black wetsuit. And 16 hours into this effort on their Thanksgiving Day. So three different crews from the coast, like tons of people are out looking for this guy. They receive another 911 call because people were at their beach house on Thanksgiving morning when they see this guy drifting out to sea. So they call 911 and they see this kite surfer. They're like, hey, it looks like he's struggling. He's going out to sea. The crews then go and they only find the kite. So like, shit, somebody called and said he was struggling. We can only find this one part. So 16 hours into the search now, there's another 911 call. And it's this guy. Uh, hey, gnarly dudes and dudettes. I was out shredding the gnar today, getting pitted. Heard your kooks were out there looking for me. Brought right on. Thanks, man. But I'm all gravy. Yeah, that's right. The missing person called and reported themselves to be safe. That was the actual recording of the surfer dude who called in, if, if you couldn't tell. Um, oh, hey, yeah. gnarly dudes. So the guy, the guy... <laughs> called he was like after 16 whole hours he was like oh is that is that me you guys are looking for oh far out uh so the the missing kite surfer he's like the turtle on finding nemo like that's his voice yo dude the missing kite surfer contacted coast guard watchstanders to inform them that after his kite malfunction he just cut it free used his board to paddle ashore and returned home uh he was even enjoy he like enjoyed his full thanksgiving he had no idea that there was Three separate Coast Guard stations from up and down the Jersey coast, the state police. He had no idea there was this massive search underway and that all these people had been recalled from their own Thanksgivings to search for him. While but that's the there. smartest thing you can do. I mean, if you're out there kite surfing, you're getting pushed out to sea, cutting loose and just getting out of it. It's got to be the smartest thing you can do. It is. They did. The Coast Guard did say, hey, in the future, if you have to cut off part of your whatever Call your local Coast Guard or your local police and be like, hey, if anybody knows, if like any fishing boats notice a kite surfing parts floating at sea, that's mine. I cut it off. Here's what it looks like so that people aren't like, oh, shit, was there someone attached to this? You know, so that there's no search or anything. But who would ever think that? I, I would, would never, never think that. Until like I if I was story. out there kite surfing goofing and I get lost at sea. I would never think to call the Coast Guard because I'd be embarrassed. Like, am I going to get in trouble for littering? <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good point, too. That's what I was thinking. Think of all the turtles that could get wrapped up in his kite. Dude, yeah. this, uh, this kite's really cramping my vibe. Um, so anyways. <laughs> also, how do sea turtles survive if they're cold-blooded? New Jersey's cold. That water's cold in the wintertime. Are turtles cold-blooded? I think reptiles. so. Oh, they're my reptiles. goodness. I don't know. Are turtle, yeah. Turtles are reptiles. If right? you're a military yeah. turtle expert, give us a call. Uh, well, maybe they're amphibious. Ah, let's move on. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> before we make ourselves look even stupider than we normally, I are. will say, just again, I feel like there's usually only two stories. I feel like we don't tell too much going on with the Coast Guard because it's. I feel like it's one of two things: they either rescued somebody or they captured a huge amount of cocaine. And but it's something every single day as I'm scrolling for stories every single day around the country, the Coast Guard is saving people's lives and is pluck. Somebody, a fisherman has a heart attack on a boat or something capsized or this or that. 
I mean, it's just incredible the amount of shit they do on the day to day. So shout out to them. I feel like we kind of skip over them a lot because it's repetitive stories, but they're all incredible stories. So even though they didn't go and, and find anybody. Let a couple cocaine ships pass through every now yeah, and then. Yeah, please let a couple slide, Let guys. the folks back like, at home have some booger sugar if they need it. Yes, please. I mean, come on here. Also, um, we need some breaking news music, Bren. Please, breaking mu- news music. Sea turtles. Sea turtles are indeed reptiles. They're reptiles. That's quite enough. Sea turtles are reptiles. Four. What? Sea turtles are what? Reptiles. <laughs> okay, the sea turtles and reptiles. Glad we figured that out. Round number four. I'm looking forward to hearing this one, chaps. Now on Zero Block 30, I'm privileged to have another JAG guy, finally another JAG guy on this podcast, Sean Karf. Sean, thanks so much for joining us, man. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you. All right, so you work on the strength and conditioning staff. I have one question to start out for you. As a strength and conditioning guy, when you found out that Gardner Minshew likes to just be in a jock strap with some bands and things like that did the army help prepare you for naked dudes working out oh man oh like that's a and and that's funny like when you're surrounded by that when you're in the military like you know i mean you see some of the craziest stuff something like so yeah i mean that didn't phase me at all i remember the first one of the first games he's in the locker room and just a jog strap laying in the floor and (laughs) <laughs> and uh, everybody's like, "Did you see that? Did you see that?" And I'm like, "Well, well I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about." I mean, <laughs> yep. You just need to bring them back over. You need to bring them to Afghanistan or to Iraq and let them see what working out over there looks like. I mean, if you have more than just silky shorts on, you're overdressed. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to get sweat on anything else. You know, you know. It's kind of hard to wash clothes when you don't have a washing machine. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. So how is that? How's the the difference between working in like a platoon room, you as a a former uh, squad leader and things like that, now you're in an NFL locker room. Do you see a lot of the same similarities like from locker room to locker room? I do. I mean, and then, you know, um, in the military, you have your own little groups that you stick with, more more or less with us, it's with squads. So, um, but you see that same dynamic in the locker room where position groups will stick with position groups and, and, you know, they're around each other and they, they grow to be, you know, brothers, just like we were, you know, when I had my squad, we, you know, we did everything together, went out together and you see that same dynamic in the locker room. So it's pretty cool. And I've seen some videos of you like out training and things like that with the guys on the field. You're a machine gunner. That's usually bigger dudes, stronger. I notice that you stick a lot with the defensive linemen. You just like pick the biggest guys and like that's who I'm going to hang out with the most. Um, I I definitely like offensive line and defensive line um, because they got that um, grunt mentality. They have that like, all right, there's work in front of me. Let's get it. You know, and and they enjoy pushing through and pushing each other. And that, and I like watching that because it brings me back to working with the guys in the military and, you know, no one can, if you heard somebody complaining that you got, you know, stopped pretty quick because everybody else was trying to make, you know, the training as hard as it could get. So I think 
I gravitate toward more towards like the big guys and the combos, like tight ends, linebackers, because yeah. they're they're gonna push each other and uh, hold each other accountable more than so the skill guys. I mean, they th- don't get me wrong; those guys do work, but I, I like watching the dynamic of the big guys and the the combos. So all the guys that are on the team right now for the Jags. If you could take them back and you could go back into your army days and you could pick them one of them to be like your platoon sergeant, who do you think you would pick out? You said platoon sergeant? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's kind of hard. I was thinking more of like who I would, who I would go to war with. But Who's that? Um, I, I, I think I would take Jan. Jan and Kangakwe. I mean, yeah, just because he's a monster. Dude is, he's like not going to back down from anybody. He's going to. You know, he, he's not, you know, afraid of fighting. He, he, he's just a – he's a monster. Yeah, I've heard some rumors too. <laughs> Even yeah. with his old guys, if his own guys need it, uh, he'll do it as well. So let's get into your story. This is a military podcast, not a football podcast, but I, we had to open up with that because I am a Jags fan. Let's get into what happened to you because your story is very unique um, looking through and knowing a lot of the different teams and the, di- the dynamics. Having veterans on staff and strength departments, not, not unique, but how you got there is a very unique story. Can you kind of walk us through how you ended up getting out of the Army? So in 2012, on my uh, second deployment to Afghanistan, uh, both of my deployments were in Kandahar. And on uh, this deployment was a little rougher in 2012. Uh, we were on a dismounted patrol. Uh, I was in the back. I was uh, the weapons squad leader. They called me on the radio and you know told me that we saw they saw guys up on a rooftop nearby to bring the gun to the front so we could pull uh, security and put in a support by fire with the gun. And, um, you know, making my way through the path that had already been cleared, everybody, you know, I wasn't, like I said, I was in the back, so I wasn't expecting anything. And then I stepped on a pressure plate, um, bomb went off, uh, you know, I tasted chemicals. I saw, you know, I couldn't see anything at first, but I could hear everybody yell my name. I looked down and saw my leg, um, you know, blood all over my leg and I'm in a crater and I, and I, my first thought was to get out of the crater and push myself out of it. Cause I didn't know if there was something else inside there, if that was just small explosive and something bigger was underneath it. So I was trying to get out of it. And by that time the medic came by, put the tourniquet on. Um, we were in between two wadis. Uh, two so what's kind, of, what's kind of going on? Cause I think that's the, the, we've hear these war stories all the time about what happens. What's going through your head whenever you're, you're watching your, your corpsman, your medic, put the tourniquet on your on your leg what's going through your head at that time i was like man this shit this this really hurts (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh, it's funny because like the initial shock it hurt but then i was also worried about you know you're on a patrol it's not like you're out you know out and about just walking down the street it's not over it's not over so like your first instinct is wow i get you know now I'm hurt. Now I'm down. Um, I'm the squad leader. So right. I'm like, I got to make sure my guys are good as well. But <laughs> how can I do that while I'm sitting on a litter with a tourniquet on my leg? So that was my initial thought was, man, I, um, but I, I remember just calling out commands while strapped to a litter and people were like, shut up. 
like you don't even see what's going on right now. Yeah. But you but can't give that trailer, up. Like when, like when yeah. you're in charge or you have that leadership position, giving that up in the moment, because I'm sure you felt kind of like how, like I did where, you know, something bad could happen. So you want to take charge even more like, Hey guys, we got to do this right now. Like this isn't right. not, things are about to get serious. Oh yeah. Man, man. So you end up going back, you're sitting on the litter. Then what happens? So that path we were on was between two um, uh, streams or rivers, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, we call them wadis uh, or, or they call them that over there. And then, uh, so we had to get to the other side of one of those so the helicopter could land. Um, the path that we were on was too small for it to land. And so they, they walked me across the uh, river. And I just remember yelling at the four guys that were carrying me. And I said, if you drop me in this nasty water. I, was like, <laughs> I kept looking down at the water. It, was, it just looked disgusting. But So they, they get me to the other side. And then um, they decided they were going to splint my leg after we got across because i remember holding my uh foot that was still attached but it was you know messed up pretty bad and i was sitting there holding that leg with my good leg uh, across the river and then they're like oh we got to splint it and then they started putting the iv on waiting for the helicopter or the medevac to come in and uh and are so, you guys taking fire or anything like this while this is not happening? yet nothing's happening at this point so um you know, they get the splint on, they get the IV in and I hear the medevac coming in. And, uh, at that time, as soon as the medevac landed, the guys that were up on that roof opened up, uh, with a PKM on the medevac. And, uh, and so the medevac picked up and left cause they were in between us and the guys on the roof. So they had to get out of that, that area. And so now after the medevac picks up and takes off um now the guys that brought me over uh across the river are now in a firefight with the guys on the rooftop so they you know it was maybe five to ten minutes passed and uh another helicopter came in and did a, a gun run on the building and then uh you know so after they did a couple gun runs they uh other the medevac came back in and landed and picked me up and I'm sure that was over the course of how long you think, 30 minutes or so? Uh, from the explosion or yeah, from... Yeah, until you got actually on the helicopter. About 30, yeah, 20 to 30 minutes. But I bet it felt like fucking years, man. Years. <laughs> it was just insane, though. Because, like, like I said, I was strapped to litter, so I can't see what's going on. I'm calling out, uh, you know, commands to the gun team, and they're like, thank God we didn't listen to your dumbass, because you... <laughs> They're trying to get that medic to give you morphine just so you shut up. <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah. Well, our medics didn't even carry morphine. Uh, they gave me like a pill pack, but it was more or less for, you know, to help fight infections. Uh, yeah. And that was it. Like our medics weren't even allowed to carry morphine. So how long until after you, you, I assume you end up going to the hospital and spending quite a bit of time. How long were you in the hospital? Um, so I was at Walter Reed for, um, 15 to 17 months, I want to say. And it was, uh, you know, most of that time though, was just waiting on the army to medically discharge me. So within six months I had, I was already doing tough mutters and like everything else. So my rehab was pretty good. So, um, while I was there, 
I was able to help uh, the PTs that were there and, and kind of shadow them. And because uh, I, I felt like that's what I wanted to do was help people when I got out. And so I was able to work alongside some of the physical therapists at Walter Reed. Was that, a difficult, was that a difficult thing for you? Because I assume if you're a sergeant and squad leader that you're on your second enlistment at that time, was it a difficult thing for you to be like, this is where you don't choose whenever your army career is over? Right. That, and that's what I tell people. That's the hardest thing. Um, I reenlisted the month before I was blown up. So, you know, I, I had planned on doing 20 and mm -hmm. I was at six at the time. And so I just reenlisted for another six and, um, and that, like I tried to tell some of like some of the players asked me about it and I said, that would be like, you, you know, you love playing football and all of a sudden you go down and that's it. Like you don't have a chance. Like it's uh Ryan Shazier situation where, yeah. you know, you get injured and you're done, but you weren't done mentally. Like you, like you wanted to be out there and, and, the, and, laying in the hospital bed was the hardest part was like here I am a squad leader and now I don't know who's taking on my squad I don't know what's going on with these guys like I treated those guys like my brothers you yeah. know and really try to do my best and look out for them while I was and there's certain for. and there's certain aspects about being a military man or military lady that that becomes your entire identity like there's right. a huge part of who you are as a person what you identify as comes from your job just like an NFL player would. So when you kind of have that stripped away, it's tough for a lot of guys. Did you go through that transition of I'm getting out, what could possibly be next for me that's as fulfilling as what I'm doing now? Yeah, I, I, I know when I first got home, like when I first got out of the hospital, everything was good. And, you know, I was enjoying spending time with family, going, you know, I, I had the freedom to do whatever. I was – um, get retirement pay for the rest of your life right <laughs> I, I get retired pay but just something was missing and and i had like you said you you lose that identity and now you've like i felt like like what's my purpose like what like what am i gonna do for the rest of my life now like i don't have any clue of what i want to do and and so that to me that was the hardest thing not having that identity anymore and did you stumble in, speaking of not knowing what to do, did you stumble into this Jaguars internship? Um, so I got involved with uh, Wounded Warrior Project because they're based out of Jacksonville. Right. You know, they have the headquarters here in Jacksonville. So mm -hmm. um, they used to have a program called the track program where you do two semesters of college and then the last four months of the program, you go um, do an internship in a local business in Jacksonville. and. Uh, so I found out one of the other people that was in track, um, Andrew Coughlin, he now works for Wounded Warrior Project. Um, he, you know, he told me that he did an internship with the Jags and that's basically how I even found out that, you know, that I would be able to do it. And so in 14, I did an internship, but it was more like office, um, like I was bouncing around all of, in the office and, and then I wound up with uh, helping the athletic trainers and the uh, strength staff at the, towards the end. And the head strength coach said, hey, if you decide that you're going to go to school for, um, you know, sports science or sports medicine, let me know. And we'll bring you back on as a full-time intern for the whole season. 
So that's what happened in 2017. I came Not a back. bad year to be there, going to the AFC Championship oh, game. Man. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I bet. Uh, so then you, then you go out, and at the end of the season, I saw on a documentary that they did about you where you meet up with Tom Coughlin, and he ends up offering you a full-time job. Were you kind of overwhelmed at that point? Like, this is going to be my life. This is going to be what I'm going to do. It's not just a season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do I, so the AFC championship, I was an intern. We had two, uh, my position and then another internship, which we kind of set aside for um, guys that are in limbo, like don't have a, um, you know, may have gotten let go and are trying to find another job. And so that, that in turn um, wound up going to the AFC championship and somewhat uh, a friend of mine uh, found out his name's Mark Lowry found out that I wasn't able to go and decided to, you know, um, so the Jags had this uh, plane deal where they, they take you in the plane and put you in a, a hotel and everything. And then you go to the game and you're in a suite. So I actually went with um, that group to the AFC championship. And then, so after the game, like I didn't see any of the players during that day or anything like that. I I was basically a fan at that point. And uh, so after the game, I remember texting uh, like all the strength staff, you know, I was like, you know, very emotional. I would thank you for everything you guys did. Um, um, You know, I learned a lot from you guys and and thank you for um bringing me in and allowing me to be there and uh so the next day I came in I you know I came in to clean out my locker and um I ran into Dave Caldwell in the hallway and for you those know, that said, aren't big Jags fans Dave Caldwell is the general manager right and so talking to the general manager Dave Caldwell he you know I said um you know, thank you for everything. And I, and he could tell I was getting emotional because that's like, I thought I was done. Like this is over. And then, uh, he goes, before you get all emotional on me, um, I want you to go, I think coach Coughlin wants you to talk to him in his office. So I went over there to coach Coughlin's office and, uh, it's probably, which is like probably going to see the base general whenever you're like a specialist or something like that. You got to go see the general. Fuck. (laughs) what did I do what did I do I think it in my head and so as I go into his office uh Dave Caldwell was right behind me and I didn't even know it and uh Dave Caldwell shuts the door um as I go in and uh they both look at me and they say hey um we think you would be an asset to this team we um you know have watched you all year and you know like what we see um do you think you will um, you know, be an asset to the team. And I said, yeah, I'm going to do it all I can. I mean, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to. So it, it was, it was just amazing that they gave me that opportunity. Now I know I, whenever I got hired at Barstool, I always felt like there was going to be an element of people who thought, Oh, he just got hired because he's a veteran. He's going to do the veteran podcast going into a, a job, like being in the strength staff of an NFL team. Do you take that and you're like, I'm going to have to work my ass off even harder so people know that this job wasn't just handed to me. I'm going to prove that I fucking belong here too. Yeah, I think a lot. I mean, not only do I think that people have that perception, but I also have that perception myself. Like, 
okay, you know, all the, you know, there's people all across the country that are out there fighting to try to get on a team or in, in football in general. And, and so, you know, they put their time in for different internships, you know, years and, and were able to get to that spot. So I know I was very fortunate and, and, you know, it could have, you know, gave me a, a, you know, the upper hand, but Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. it. But now it's yeah. just basically just, you know, doing all I can to um, solidify that and just make myself um, a better strength coach. You know, right now I'm doing my master's. And, and you looked a lot more yoked up than you did in the 2017 video. You're in the weight I'm room trying. yourself. I can tell. My God, dude, you've probably put on, what, 40 pounds of muscle in like the last two years? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's 40 pounds, but. Yeah, a lot. You look a lot bigger than you did in 2017, for sure. Yeah, like, great people pushing me here, and that's that's the thing. Like, um, I'm able to be around, you know, some great people in this organization, and and being able to um, work out with them and 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 push them has been, you know, so rewarding to me. So, uh, school, bet. school, and lift, school and lift. See, and I want to I want to let the listeners know that I've grown and showed great restraint because earlier when you said you got out of the hospital, you're out of the army and something was missing in the past, I would have said, yeah, <laughs> it's your leg. <laughs> it's your leg, dude. <laughs> oh, man. That's, is, that's, that's one thing I miss is like uh, from one veteran to another, like, you know, you you'll make like I wish you I kind of wish you would have said that. because. <laughs> yeah. Because I, because I get it, like and, right, like we mess with each other so much, and dude, and I like really, I, you're exactly I used right. I called the paper cut at Walter Reed because I was only missing one limb, and right. you had, you know, guys rolling around in the wheelchairs missing three, four limbs, and they're like, oh, paper cut. Like, yep. I mean, we I get it on this dynamic. show all the time, like at my work, anytime because I've told the story whenever I got shot. I moved in front of a window and didn't crouch down low enough. A round came through the window and went through my arm. So now anytime we walk by windows together, people are like, careful chaps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been funny here. Just um, like some people don't know how to take it and they like, like cringe. But like, I remember um, running on the field. um, I think it was last year. Yeah. I was, just um, going around catching punts and helping the kickers and went to go run for a ball and my uh, prosthetic snapped and mm. I went straight to the ground and like the carbon fiber just split in half. And, um, I told the, <laughs> uh, prosthet- uh, you know, the guy that makes the prosthetic, uh prosthetics yeah yeah, i'm not even gonna try to say that word so (laughs) i told him he's like i have never seen that in my life (laughs) too much upper body too much thigh strength man you just can't do it i had it six years and it it snapped but it's funny because i was on the ground and our uh special uh special teams assistant came running over and he's like hey what can i do for you i said hey go get my other leg (laughs) yeah it's nice to have that as an option now though Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Sean, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it, dude. Oh, thank you, man. I, I really enjoyed this. And thanks for your service, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your service. This week, the Marine Corps and other branches of service as well issued out 
guidance because we have in 2020 big time elections coming up. It's a presidential election season and some people have never been in. It's important to remember that there, there's people in the military who are going through their very first election cycle now and it's a presidential one and one that's bound to be contentious. So in order to nip some of that stuff in the bud, the military issued out different statements, right, Kate? Yeah, it's basically a guide for how to behave on social media during the elections if you're active duty. So it's like it tells you the do's and don'ts. Like, yes, on your personal car, you can have an elect whoever bumper sticker uh, on a military Humvee. No, you can't put one on there. Haha, <laughs> no mm. shit. Um, and you can write a letter to the editor. You can post things on Facebook, but you just have to be very careful about the way you do it. And you can like a candidate's Facebook page, but you can't tell other troops to like that candidate's Facebook page. So basically, you can't hold a formation and be like, "All right, devil dogs, everybody, get out your phone, go to Bernie 2020." Exactly, you feel the burn. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it's just there. All the branches are sending out friendly reminders of like, "Hey, don't be an idiot during this election season." But the nice thing is that you and I are no longer in, and so we. No, can... and that's why I wanted to ask you, like, if you had to succinctly in 20 seconds or less because i don't want to spend too much time on politics just in 25 30 seconds or less give me your political positions for the 2020 election all right uh i'm gonna dig into my toolkit here and tell you how i really i mean people didn't ask for this i'm gonna tell you how i really feel about 2020 oh yeah oh no oh yeah 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 all right that's well said um i think that i i think that people want to get my opinion as well and to break down my 2020 position i'm sorry but a lot of people think you and i are on the same page with everything and think oh no we disagree a lot this This we had a lot of trouble with, and I'm glad that we are finally able to calm down and sit down, and, and I'll, I'll hear you out. And I appreciate it if you didn't interrupt, because I want to get all of these thoughts out there. Okay. Round number six, we know that the Army-Navy game is coming up next weekend on Saturday, and we are going to be there, the whole Zero Block 30 crew. Barstool Sports is doing a huge college football day. We're going to have a big stage set up. They're doing it. Whole big thing. I think we're going down on the field again this year. So if you're in the area, if you're going to be in Philly, please come say hello to us. I think Friday night we're all going to hit up a bar, whatever. I'm super excited for it. But another exciting part of that is that they release the uniforms. Every year when they do, all the people who are in the Army or Navy Academies get enormous boners or lady boners uh, and go crazy about it. So they were just released today. And for Navy... It is throwbacks. That's they decided to take it back. The midshipmen will reach deep into their naval roots and anchor on their closely held motto that tradition never graduates. These uniforms are inspired by that which was worn by some of the greatest Navy teams to ever step on the pitch in the 60s. 
It pays homage to the Navy's two Heisman Trophy winners, Joe Bellino and Roger Staubach, who played in the late 50s and early 60s. Um, They also have patches honoring helicopter mine countermeasures, Squadron 15. The gloves, if you link them together, if you link your hands together, become a Navy anchor. And the helmets look like rusty old ships. So they're Navy and gold. We're not gonna pump. We're not gonna. These uniforms stink. They stink. Out loud. They're horrible. They're fucking terrible. I'm like not of a all fan. the ones, Navy's had good ones in the past. Like the the Blue Angel uniform that they did a couple years ago was sick. They've had some good ones. These go back to the snooze. Like fest. we're honoring the football team of the 1960s. Like of all the things that the Navy has done in their illustrious history, you go with honoring the football. Who gives a fuck about 1960s Navy football? And to me, it's it's like a uniform that's like, hey, this uniform, look at it. Remember when we were real good? Like, uh, I just don't. It's Navy and blue. It's like real original Navy. Roger Staubach's not even dead. Like, you got to at least wait. You got to at least wait so that you can't just say someone's not dead, Bren. He's not. He's not. He's alive and well. You should wait until he's dead and then honor him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I just feel like the whole thing is. Just a total snooze fest. The only cool part was the gloves that linked to form something. Uh, but besides that, I was totally not impressed. The helmet looks terrible to me. It looks like cheese. It looks like moldy Swiss cheese to me with an anchor on it. It, so, looks, like, it looks like terrible MRE spread jalapeno cheese was rubbed all over a helmet. That's the exact color. I tried that yeah. when Kyle Carpenter was in here. Exactly. Yeah, it's the exact it, color. It, it really it is. It looks like crap. And I hate to say it because I texted Cons earlier today. I was like, hey. If these uniforms are so bad, I'm thinking about rooting on Army. And yeah. it's so bad that I will, I'll say it. These, the Marine Corps should have nothing to do with the Naval Academy hereby going forward. Mm-hmm. And these uniforms are an abomination to the Lord. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like Satan got into the Naval Academy when I, when I look at these. It's not a good feeling. Yeah. Well, what yeah, about oh, Army? Maybe it's because you know what it is. I think it's because we've had so much Harry Potter talk on the pod of West Point is uh, is Gryffindor, and they have that up there at the old uh, West Point Academy. Maybe Naval Academy Slytherin. Wow. I mean, it does look like something Professor Snape would wear the shit out of. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. A Dementor? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Not a fan. Horrible. Not a fan at all. What about the Army uniform? Because that came out. What did you think about that one? Right. Well, Cons isn't here, and he will be the one to describe it and explain it, but he sent the photos over, and he's really excited about it. This year's Army uniforms are centered around the branch's strong tradition of training through PowerPoint presentations. Microsoft Windows actually sponsored the uniforms this year, and each player has a different slide of knowledge printed down the legs and the belly. Which makes sense because Bill Gates is a West Point graduate. Yep, Bill Gates, huge West Point guy. He was artillery as well, I think. think Um, And the helmets have tinted shades, so you can't see if the players have fallen asleep while they read the slides on the other players' legs when they're in the huddle. Mm. That is really, really neat. I think that's very cool. And it is probably the strongest tradition of all the branches that we can all kind of rely on is the training through PowerPoint. So I think they really nailed it. Yeah. 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 I think so, too. All right, let's move on to save rounds and alibis. Cons <laughs> uh, is got He is gone, but we allowed him to do a little bit of save rounds and alibis. So, Kate, you can go ahead and say his save round. As you're listening, Army has released... That's my Captain Cons voice. I don't know why. I just made that one up. Um, As you're listening... Just scream into the mic. 
Now they're listening. <laughs> Army has released their uniforms for Army Navy. They look amazing as per usual. Credit to PowerPoint, Microsoft Windows, Army Equipment, and West Point History Department for knocking out of the park yet again. I'm particularly excited because that is the unit I served with. He was in first PowerPoint. Uh, and I think it's awesome that we are honoring an oft-forgotten generation of soldiers. Kate, at this point, please feel free to make up anything else you'd like. No, that, I mean, that's just an outrageous allegation that you would make things up. I know. It's, it, it hurts. I'll tell you that. It's much. unbecoming, it's I'd say. It really is. It makes me, I still don't like the Navy uniforms, but now I really love the Army ones now. I don't know. Now I'm a little upset at cons. Bren? So after a long holiday weekend, I let my room get a little messy. Mm-hmm. I cleaned it this week, sweeped it, vacuumed it, Field did day. all my laundry, made my bed, all that good stuff. Um, felt felt great, but it took me a while because I would just ignore the, the Staff Sergeant Chap's voice in my head telling me to clean my room. Mm-hmm. I just let it get way too messy. I finally cleaned it. So my question is, I think I know yours, Kate, what is the biggest mess you ever had to clean up in the military was. I know that your story is that you had to clean up all the pubes out of the shower. Oh, yeah. If you want to refresh shower the people's recruit. memory, if you have a different one, I'd appreciate that. So what is your, the biggest mess you ever had to either create it and then had to clean up or clean up somebody else's mess? Oh, I, I for sure, it will always be the pubes in the shower. We weren't allowed to have razors the entire time through boot camp uh, because of a couple of different incidents. And so, yeah. The, finally, the day before but family day. But that's a cool thing where you can see kind of diversity in the Marine Corps. When as you get all those pubes together, it's like a cornucopia of colors. It really was. It was a united nation of pubes. <laughs> it probably all looks together. like upstate New York during the autumn. It looked like a grizzly bear <laughs> went through a wood chipper. Uh, anyways, it was horrible. Uh, I will never forget it as long as I live. And it was, I, I feel like every now and then I still look down. I'm like, there's one of those pubes that's stuck to my sweater or something like It's just, they'll never go away. I'll always be tainted. By... What's that? How are you going to say teeth? <laughs> no. Every now and then I pull one out of my mouth. I say, whoop, there's another one. I'll cough one up like yeah. a tar pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stuck on the back of your throat. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, uh. Fifth, ten years later. No uh, offense, Chad, but. My would. Easily be some of the dog kennels that I've been in, just like if the dogs get bad food, like a bad batch of food, and Ugh. you have 20-plus military-working dogs that are sick off of... If I'll say this. We don't do free ads. I will do an opposite of free ads. If you give your dog science diet, which is the dog food that the military gives the, their dogs, you are mean. That dog food is absolute shit. It runs through these dogs like nobody's business. And you just create an ungodly smell of sulfur, dog shit, and just absolute pain. It was terrible being a dog handler from time to time. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Zero Block 30. We'll be back full crew next week on Tuesday. I'll be in the office all next week. And I want to mention before I go, I have my punishment for losing the Fantasy Football League. Kate's team came in one spot ahead of mine. I will be hosting 12 hours of Barstool Radio from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Rumors are that it's commercial free, by the way. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, fuck. So you're not me. even going to get commercial breaks. Yeah, that's tough. I don't know what I'm going to do, honestly, for 12 hours. 12 hours commercial free. Just have people calling you. I'll get all the MWRs to put your number in there and then call them up and, um, You know what I should do? I should set up a duty roster of other Barstool bloggers and have like a sign-up sheet where they have to call in. Like every 30 minutes, somebody new calls in. Oh, yeah. And see if they'll do that. 
All right, my save round is that it's getting close again to the 78th anniversary on the attack of Pearl Harbor, and this is the first year that I've that I've actually been to Hawaii. This summer, I went to Pearl Harbor and got to see it and see everything that went down and kind of place myself in the geolocation. It's kind of like the first time that you go down to Ground Zero whenever you go to New York, where you have this idea because you've seen it on TV, we've seen the clips of Pearl Harbor and what's happened, but actually placing yourself in the spot and looking around and thinking what the skies would have looked like, what the sounds would have looked like, the people speaking to people who were survivors of Pearl Harbor, it really gave me a greater appreciation for the horror and the absolute catastrophe that went down. Because now we look at Pearl Harbor, we look at as like the linchpin of uh, heroism, where people saw what happened in Pearl Harbor and they came to a, they they knew that they had to go to war against the Imperial Japanese, and then World War II really kicked off. So we look at it almost as like this kicking point for the American greatness that is the World War II veterans, when in reality. This is just an absolutely horrific event that happened in Hawaii, and we look back 78 years later, completely different of how it actually happened. But I get, I got a little perspective when I went this year. And then being so close to this anniversary that so many Americans look back on with great respect and great deference to, there was an attack at the Harbor Hickam in Hawaii just this past week, or two days ago now, where an active duty shooter shot and killed um, some civilians that were there. It was they killed uh, two civilian shipyard employees and wounded another. Uh, and it was a, it was a Navy sailor who was doing the shooting, and then they died of an inflicted gunshot wound. Um, so just keeping them. There's not too many details out yet, but keeping that whole area just uh, T's and P's. But my God, you know, just thinking of them. So. Yep, it's terrible. Um, it's a cloudy day around a cloudy day. Sound the retreat.